What is up, everybody? Welcome to yet another episode of the Whiskey Sessions podcast. It is baseball season. What's up, B-Pimp? Take me out to the ball game. You know what I'm saying? This is episode 56, and of course, we are just a week into the 2019 season. Are you excited? Hey, 56 is Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak. Yeah, are you going to follow the Cubs or the White Sox this year? Oh, I'm a White Sox man. Yes, uh, we all know that. And I got to say, upon learning more and more about the Cubs' ownership, uh, fuck them. Am I right? Oh, yeah, they're having some issues. Uh. Not only the Joe Ricketts stuff, but then they've kept Addison Russell on the team, even though he's was abusing his wife or girlfriend or whatever. I don't know. Oh, God. Um, unfortunately. And they're he's still there, so... I don't know. They got a lot of issues right now. Yeah, I that is unfortunate, and the whole Ricketts family is just a bunch of shits. But I don't want to come too hot about the negative about baseball. I'm excited. I love being here in the Bay Area, much like you are in Chicago, having access to two baseball teams. I love like the two different vibes. Same thing that you get in Chicago. You get one stadium is kind of classic, fun stadium to be in. I would say San Francisco is way different from Wrigley Field, but it's like a lot of people like the Giant Stadium, which I just realized is actually not called AT&T Park anymore. It's called, I think, Oracle something. But the Wrigley Field is a fun place to go to. But then there's also Comiskey U.S. Cellular. What's it called now? Oh, Guaranteed Rate. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe not a great name, but I'll say like, also, like, an endearing place to watch baseball, much like the A's Coliseum, which is uh, older, um, but just, like, functional. And, like, if you if you want to see some baseball, that's where you just go see some baseball and not get distracted by the rest. Yeah, and it's uh, not only with the stadiums, but you've got a lot of stuff going on with the White Sox because they cheaped out on Manny Machado and missed him. He yeah, went to the Padres, so. That's too bad. But I will say this. I am really excited for this season. I'm kind of, I hate to say this, and if a lot of Seattle people are listening, I'm considering just becoming an A's fan. Ooh, that's a rival, too. I know. It's the same division. Here's my, here's my reasoning. Uh, and I haven't decided yet. I'm still partial to Seattle teams, don't get me wrong, but I do not like that the Mariners' ownership played a hand in making it difficult to build a basketball arena in Seattle. Oh yeah, that's tough. That's tough, and as everybody knows, when it comes down to it, I have one team, and that is the Seattle Supersonics, and my primary goal is to bring that one team back to Seattle. And any other team that should get in the way of that I, I don't like it, and, you know, maybe the Mariners just aren't my team anymore. Maybe I'm an A's fan. Hey, they may have, you know, they took they took your fandom for granted. I think they did, you know, and this is going to require me to learn a lot more about the A's, but uh, I'll do it. I live close to the baseball stadium. It's a 10, 15-minute drive. It's easy, and it's a fun place to watch baseball, and it's where I caught my first foul ball ever. You already have memories. Yeah. I should say catch is kind of a loose term. It bounced off some concrete area and then toward me, and then I caught it. I did not catch it on the fly. But it's where I got my first foul ball, at least. You, pro- you procured it. Yes. 
but that's something. So, so in this episode, we're, we're, we're talking baseball. So if you like baseball, if you love baseball, if you're even sort of indifferent toward baseball, we're talking baseball. We're going to be talking about our top five favorite baseball players of all time. Uh, I think the implication being that we saw these players in our lifetime, because who can say Babe Ruth is our favorite player? That's ridiculous. I have no idea. Ty Cobb. Yeah, Ty Cobb. I mean, even like, I'm sure Willie Mays was great, but I never saw him play. So um, we're talking players we've seen in our lifetime. If the people listening to this podcast need a point of reference, I am 34 years old. B-Pimp is 33, so we're probably going to be talking players that have had their heyday in the 90s and since. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, So, yeah, top five baseball players. But before we get to that, uh, and even before we get to the whiskey that you have, B-Pimp, I want to talk about predictions for the upcoming season. Who do you see in the World Series? I think, oh, boy, I think this year... I'm going to go with a little bit of a surprise. Okay. And say that the newly superstar-laden Philadelphia Phillies okay. will be the National League representative. And in the AL, the Yankees are going to get back in there. Oh, I okay, I like it. Who do you see pulling it out if it gets down to that? I'm going to go Phillies. Yeah, you know, the Phillies are looking real good right now. Um, so you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go with that pick in the National League as well. But my American League team, my new hometown team, I'm going to say the Oakland A's are going to make the wow. World Series. Yeah. Hey, they could do it. You know they were good last year. I love it. Um, I'll say the A's pull it out in in seven. Wow, that's a bit. That's a bold choice. I think we have two bold selections. I think so too. Uh, but I want to hear about your bold selection for the whiskey for this episode, B Pimp. What do you got? Okay, so I've got another in our plastic bottle series. Ooh, I like it. Uh, this is Seagram Seven. Ooh, okay, okay. The classic Seven Crown uh, American blended whiskey. The, the famous whiskey in a 7 and 7. Correct, which is a top, top, top tier wedding drink. It is. And to remind our listeners at home, uh, in the plastic bottle that we tried two episodes ago, uh, that was Canadian Club, you put it on the smooth train. So who knows? I did indeed. And um, my experience similarly with this whiskey has only been mixed. I've never really drank it in another form Mm -hmm. uh it is 80 proof it is a whiskey of distinctive character smooth rich full flavored without a trace of heaviness you'll be the judge of that i think that's what they're saying yeah uh let me pour this out are you so how are you drinking this neat on the rocks on the rocks on the rocks let's do another little step-by-step here Mm mm-hmm it's not a strong aroma. Okay. I always found, and again, I, I agree with you that I've only mixed Seagram's. It never struck me as a strong taste. But, again, it's been only with, you know, soda. 
So it's hard to say for sure, but it, I think the fact that it is a good mixer sort of, it's almost implied that it's not a very strong taste, but you tell us. Yeah. The taste, the smell is not forward. It's like, doesn't jump out at you. The taste is very similar. It is smooth. There's no, like I could see no issue drinking it on the rocks. Mm -hmm. Taking another little sip. Um, Makes it kind of tough when the whiskeys are like relatively inoffensive, but. Yeah. You know what? I think in the, with the knowledge I have that the seven and seven is such a uh, standby for me. It's such a good drink. And the fact that drinking it for a test for this level of cost and like this type of whiskey to me mm-hmm. is if I need, if I choose to drink it on the rocks, is it even an option? Like some that we've had, it's like not good. Yeah. And I think that this is good enough. And the seven and seven puts it over the top. I'm giving it the smooth. I like it. You're taking everything into account and putting it on a smooth train. Yeah. Congratulations. Seagram seven. Congratulations. So, this is the second plastic bottle of whiskey in a row that you've tried and put on the smooth train. There's a couple of things I like about that. First of all, B Pimp, tell me if I'm wrong. We consider ourselves a podcast for the people, do we not? Oh, we're for the people by the people. Yeah, and we know the people have varying budgets. And so we don't want to say, oh, the only whiskey that goes on the smooth train is going to cost you like $40, $50 a pop. No. We want to tell you what the good options are on a reasonable budget. And we are saying Seagram 7 is one of those. I think you could do a lot worse. And I think that not only even that makes it sound bad, it's it stands on its own. It's got, it's, there is no extremely unique taste to it or like overwhelming aspect to it that makes it stand out. But it's completely inoffensive and a little tasty, and you can always mix it with 7-Up and have a great drink. So, I think it's good. Yeah. No, I like it. Um, and I think saying, I think you could do a lot worse, is a good way of putting it. Uh, I believe Maggie on our wedding vows, she said, I think I could do a lot worse. See, doesn't that just warm your heart? <laughs> yeah. That made me feel like, yeah, you could have done worse. And now we're together for the rest of our lives. And I think the thing that attracted you the most about her was her pragmatism. Mm-hmm. So I think that she was just keeping with that. No, I really, yeah, I, I, I don't want any flowery bullshit. What we're saying about Seagram's is it's on the smooth drain because it's affordable and you could do a lot worse. Nailed it. Yeah. I mean, maybe this isn't like getting a first-class sleeper car on the smooth train. But it's on the train. Yeah, there's a, there's a rowdy section where the plastic bottle boys are hanging out. Yeah, and secretly probably the most fun section. Yeah, it's the one everybody talks about. Yeah. All right, good pick. Uh, I'm glad that we have another affordable choice uh, on the smooth train. But as we talked about earlier, hell, it's baseball season. Are you going to sneak some of this plastic bottle into the next White Sox game you go to? I think I would probably take that outdoor pack of uh, Canadian Club. Ooh, I like it. If I was going to do that, but no, I usually respect the, um, the, the stadium rules to whatever degree, sir. You know, yeah, I can. So 
I feel I'll like... probably leave it outside. That's fair. I think as I've aged, I've I've started to respect stadium rules. I think as a twenty year old, maybe like twenty two year old, I was not very respectful of not bringing in my own drink into the stadium. Um, you were a young whippersnapper. Yes, and budgets were different. I mean, I'm not gonna a beer at Wrigley Field or at the Giants Stadium is like, I think it's like fifteen dollars. Which yeah, it's a lot. Is insane. At least at the A's, I think it's like ten, which is still shitty, but uh, not quite as horrifically shitty. You can get one of these last two whiskeys I did for less than that. <laughs> and that's crazy. So I understand if you're going to bring that into a game. We're not advocating that you do that. Uh, we're not trying to get in trouble with Major League Baseball, but I'm not going to stop you. As long as you don't throw the plastic onto the field, I think you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why you should bring plastic in the first place. You're not really going to do a whole lot of damage with it, except litter. No, you'll just be a minor nuisance. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we are talking about our top five favorite baseball players of all time. Uh, B-Pimp, before we get into it, I'm going to admit my list is... Uh, I know I've been shitting a little bit on the Mariners at the top of the episode, but... Uh, they are ingrained in my childhood, and most of my top five are Mariners. How difficult did you find it to pull out your homerism from your objective favorites? I think I naturally have always been uh, kind of a... I've always been a White Sox fan, first and foremost, but I'm, I'm such a fan of baseball that I've... I think my list just kind of had some people in it by that because of that so mm-hmm. i didn't have to like actively pull anybody off the list it just kind of that's how my fandom has been okay i think i think that's totally fair uh, so without further ado let's get into it these are our top five favorite baseball players more than four less than six it's the top five all right b pimp who is your number five favorite baseball player Number five for me is the mountainous slugger Jim Tomey. Ooh, good pick. Indians, White Sox, uh, Phillies? Twins. Twins. Phillies, yes, twins. He's been around. Uh, He was, so, after the White Sox won their World Series in 2005, they traded Aaron Rowand to the Phillies for Jim Tomey, and it was kind of like, a big a big shift because it, Frank Thomas left and mm-hmm. it was like you know he's the big acquisition he was already kind of late in his career at that point but he's still just such a good hitter and he actually was productive until he was like 42 um which is impressive he had a really long really really good career um just a really nice guy like completely the opposite of how he hit the ball which was aggressive and like powerful hitter he's just like a really soft-spoken kind of a just like a nice guy and uh easy to root for always seemed like a chicago you know he's from peoria or something i think so he's like a local kid but he always just he always just seemed like a chicago white Sox to me even though he was he was only on the team for a few years and definitely played the majority elsewhere but I, i was always a big fan of him that's a good pick, and I did not actually know he was from the general area. So I, I can see that. Like, uh, I liked it when he was on the White Sox, though, and it, 
that's he he could mash the ball with the rest of them with the yeah, best of a, them he's I a beast. <laughs> better than the rest he can mash it with the best uh no that's an excellent number five my number five a little bit different is ricky henderson Oh, Ricky Henderson. So he played, I can't remember how many. It might have just been one season with the Mariners. I think it was like 2000. Maybe it was two seasons. Uh, maybe it was a trade deadline thing. I can't remember for sure. But I do remember that his first at-bat with the Mariners, I'm pretty positive, was a home run. I think I was at that game. And he was just, the Mariners version of Ricky Henderson was old Ricky Henderson, but he was still just tricky as shit. He was like, such a joy to watch whether he was like caught in a pickle and managed to get out of it because he was just so smooth that way um like what we need more like joyous obnoxious baseball players like that now yeah they're trying to take all the fun out of the game why like i unwritten rules in baseball are like the worst things ever they're always so serious it's why the St. Louis Cardinals are the worst fan base in, the, in North American sports. I I uh, will second that. Without knowing them particularly well, I would agree with that. They're if, just they're just so like beholden to those rules and like trashing other teams for doing anything that they think is doesn't fit that. It's just so tiring. It's so stupid. Also, and I hate to say it because we're talking about baseball so much. But I do not think baseball is immune from going by the wayside in American, like, popular sports. I think it could be, I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying it could go the route of boxing, where people just don't really care anymore. And I think there's a few ways to fix that. You have to make the game fun to watch. And making it fun is having fun players, and not a bunch of, like... Just overly serious, killjoy, uh, unwritten rule, like baseball following people. I don't. I do not think the MLB will survive in the long, long term if that's all it is. Totally agree. Soccer will take it. Yeah, soccer or like something even dumber, like UFC or I don't even know. It doesn't matter. Like I really like baseball and I want to see it do well. And part of that is having fun players and not a bunch of over-serious shits like St. Louis Cardinal fans. Yeah, take that, St. Louis. Yeah. But anyway, the point is Ricky Henderson is a fun baseball player to watch. He was so obnoxious. I love how he constantly referred to himself in the third person. And just, like, he made a game interesting. But yeah, so that's my number five. Who do you have for your number four? Number four for me is uh, Robin Ventura. Ooh, interesting pick. He was the reason I wore number 23 in Little League and played third base. And he also threw with his right hand and batted lefty like I did. So he was like my idol as a kid. And he was a really good player. He managed to overcome an early season, early career run-in with Nolan Ryan where he got put in a headlock. <laughs> yeah, that was like... Did he, like, go headfirst into the headlock? I've never seen anybody dominated in a fight quite like that. He charged the mound and was, like, hunched over when he ran in. And then Nolan Ryan just was like, okay. And just, like, literally (laughs) grabbed his head and just started, like, (laughs) like, you made a mistake there, kid. He made a major mistake. I think part of the issue, too, when he charged the mound against Nolan Ryan is he kind of... I think he had second thoughts as he was doing it. 
Yeah. And if you're going to charge the mound, you better commit to charging the mound. Yeah, you got to be all in on that. Yeah, and I think he, like, was starting to hold up and just just went head down straight into the headlock. It was, like, ridiculous. Yeah, it was... That, that, the fact that he had a, a respectable career after that is uh, an accomplishment in itself. It really but, is. But he was a great... Uh, kind of a... I think maybe a little bit forgotten as a player because he had some back injuries, I think, that made him retire younger than a lot of the, those types of players do, but... Um, always a really good hitter and, and very good defender at third base. And was, one, you know, of course, as a White Sox fan, made a big impact on me as a kid. But I, I like Robin Ventura. I, great pick. Uh, and that you were able to look past, you know, what a lot of people haven't been in his career in that charge to the mound. I feel like when he was a manager of the White Sox. Wait, is he still the manager? No. No, he, I didn't think so. Last year he was his first year not as the manager. Okay, that's right. Um, like, that that charging of the mound still came up in videos, like, all the time, I feel like, on Twitter and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, let it go at some point. Yeah, it's pretty funny, though. Yeah, it is funny. Uh, all right. My number four is, you'll like this one, The Big Hurt, Frank Thomas. Oh, yeah. So, here's what I like about Frank Thomas. I, I didn't like him initially, because, you know, if the Mariners are playing the White Sox when I was probably... The peak of my Mariners fandom is probably 95 through 2001. Um, and really, like, the diehardness, especially, is like 95 through 97. But Frank Thomas was a great player, great hitter. And so it, it's hard to pick somebody who was... I wouldn't say the White Sox were a huge rival to the Mariners, although there were the playoff run-ins, and I think both 2000 and 2001. But he was just such... First of all, in an era of massive steroid use, I was always so convinced that, like, nope, that's not Frank Thomas. Like, Mark McGuire, sure. Sammy Sosa, definitely. Uh, And several other... Jose Canseco. But Frank Thomas just felt like, that guy is just like a shit brick house. And it's... That's just how he is. And he just mashes the shit out of the ball. And I loved watching him hit i'm my silence is only because i'll have more to say on this topic i figured uh but you know i kind of like him as a broadcaster too not really having to do with this list but the only frank thomas misstep is the big hurt beer which i probably doesn't exist anymore i hope not but i remember buying one of those and it was just like gross (laughs) i'm sad to hear that i never had (laughs) Even, I think I was only 22 or 23, and so, like, I, I will say, my taste in beer was, like, it, it was a low bar, and it still did not meet it. <laughs> he also does uh, male vitality commercials on local Chicago television. <laughs> he does. I've seen those. That's, like, that's too bad. But, like, actually, I don't even think it's local. I think I've seen them out here, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So maybe... He got a little check for that. Yeah, I, I hopefully he's making some money on that. But Frank Thomas was just an awesome player to watch. And he's, like, so physically intimidating. And just, like, it just felt like trouble. Like, he was, from my perspective, almost like the baseball movie villain every time he came to the plate. Obviously, if you're a White Sox fan, you feel differently about him. But uh, he was awesome. Like, and just a, a good player to watch. Frank's the man. Yeah. Uh, so, Big Hurt I'm, is such a great nickname, too. 
Yeah, because he put the big hurt on the ball. Yeah. It is It is a good nickname among... It's unique. It is. There's not like a repeat. There's no other big hurt. No. Wouldn't work for anybody else. They they couldn't earn it. They could be medium hurt. Yeah. It'd be like... Or, uh, like... It hurt, but not 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 that big. Like just a moderate to like sufficient hurting. Or William hurt. Yeah, or Will hurt. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Wait, who is okay. he? He's an actor, right? Yeah, he's in. Um, uh, did he play Elephant Man? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I don't know. He's been in all kinds of stuff. Okay, I'm like I cannot put a face to the name at all. You would know. He's like one of those actors who he always looked different in movies. So he's like a he's like a chameleon. Oh, okay. Like a Sean Wayans. Exactly. <laughs> the next name in my head. <laughs> okay, who is? Uh, what are you on? Four? No, three. 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 All right. Who's your number three? Vladimir Guerrero. Ooh, good pick. He's a interesting player. He is the best combination of throwing arm in right field. And awesome hitter, which are like the two most entertaining things. You get to see a guy like trying to throw lasers to get people at third base. Oh, yeah. And it's so much fun. But he was, as a hitter, he didn't wear batting gloves. He had like a super like dirty pine tar bat all the time because he didn't wear batting gloves. And he swung at everything. Everything. That was the most fun thing about him. Never a pitch that he didn't like. And he, I saw him hit a home run, I'm not kidding, once on TV. On a ball that bounced. <laughs> I love that he swung at everything. We need, like, I'm sorry. I understand that from an analytics perspective, you should take as many pitches as possible and you want to have, like, an OBB that's, like, you know, a, 100 points higher than your average if you can. But watching a player take walks is not exciting baseball. Watching a player swing at every pitch is. And he still managed to, like, he he had a good on base percentage too, just because he hit, he was such a dangerous hitter that pitchers would still walk him, which is even more impressive. Um, but he, when he swung, it was like, he just would hit, like you could throw it high where the catcher would have to like reach to get it. He'd hit a home run on that. You could throw it almost like in other batter's box and he could just reach out and smash the ball. And he was so much fun to watch. Yeah. No, I, uh, he, Really fun player to watch. And I love outfielders that just have, like, cannon arms and go for it. it. It's so exciting. Yeah. No, like, good arms will come up for my next two spots on the list. But my number three, and you would think maybe as a growing up as a Seattleite in this guy's heyday, it, he would actually be higher, but he's not. Uh, my number three is Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, I have him as an honorable mention. Well, there you go. Uh, okay, Ken Griffey Jr., one of the greatest stars we've ever seen. Like, reasonably charismatic. Actually, I would say, as a person, he's maybe not that charismatic. But was cool. And it was hard to find a person, like a kid at that age, growing up in Seattle, that, for better or for worse, and I would actually say mostly for worse, would try to replicate his swing. Which, yeah, with that elbow cock and all the stuff. He yeah, used to do. and it's even though his swing actually is pretty, it's 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 more straight through than people give it credit for. But if you are impersonating it, you're probably doing just a wicked uppercut of a swing. And so, 
of course, having a swing like that, if you are playing Little League Baseball, is about the worst thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's so much fun. So much fun. He's got his backwards hat. He is climbing the wall to make a catch. He's got a great arm. He is, I would say, he's number three on my list. Um, I almost put him lower. I, I was trying to figure out where to put Ken Griffey Jr. because I didn't have like such a personal connection with him. Uh, as a Mariners fan. But one thing I did love about Griffey was in the 95 playoffs when they were playing the New York Yankees in those first round, it was the first time ever the Mariners franchise had been to the playoffs. And they existed since uh, 77, I think. So they went 18 straight seasons without going to the playoffs before they finally did in 95. And I went to those games. And uh, somebody else who's going to be on my list hit a double. And watching Ken Griffey Jr. fly from first base around to slide into home. First of all, the joy on his face. Uh, I don't know that I've actually ever seen a baseball player run faster than he did chugging around those bases. He was flying. That that act right there put Griffey in my eyes because there's a lot of baseball players I'm not sure who would have made it home on that, uh, on that double. Uh, but he was flying, and that was just like being mobbed at home after that was like the single greatest... Mariners historic event of all time, I think. I, I I doubt there's a Mariners fan that would disagree with me. Uh, but Griffey is, even though he didn't get that technical hit, is at the center of that kind of like picture or video of uh, the Mariners winning that series. So it's hard to he say. He also had the one of the best baseball video games. Oh my God. The Super Nintendo Ken Griffey Baseball is amazing. First of all, it's not, I think it's not MLB licensed or it was like partially MLB licensed so they didn't have real players. But you could edit the names of all the players and all the players on each team were approximate, like they had different names but they were similar to their real counterparts so you could just kind of replace their names. But That's so much fun. So much fun. That game was amazing. And he was just like, He's the kind of star player that I would say baseball is like partially lacking right now. And it's not Mike Trout, Trout's fault that he's not interesting as a person. <laughs> but like he's just, a lot of people say like if you saw Mike Trout on the street, would you recognize him? I might, but like, um, yeah, there, there's no Ken Griffey Jr. right now. He's Mike Trout is a aspiring meteorologist in a baseball player's body. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, and you know what? Some people are like that, and it's okay. But we need some baseball players, too, that are going to be like, you know, real superstar, like superstar people. Yeah, it's it's totally true. I mean, there I think there are some interesting players now on, like, the uh, cusp of becoming stars that are going to be like that. So I think so. I hope so. Maybe a little change. Yeah. All right. Speaking of amazing characters and Seattle, my number two is Ichiro. Uh oh. Double dip. Nice. Yeah. He's. What can I say? I'm sitting in my. As I'm recording right now, I've got an Ichiro poster still hanging in this room. He's just like otherworldly as far as he uh, talking of like laser right arms oh my he had god the best yeah 
other than maybe like Bo Jackson, he probably had the best arm that I've ever seen. And he just, I, I remember a throw. He was flat footed on the warning track and threw th- somebody out at third base, he, which is insane. Amazing arm, amazing accuracy. He was so exciting to watch field and just like, I love watching him hit. I love the, like the, the basically the swing and run. Like no yeah, other... the way he would it would it was one motion and he'd be on the sprint to first base. Yeah, no other player does that. And then watching him try to hustle out like an infield single is just like that's exciting baseball. And he and plus the all the lore around him, like he could people always say like if he wanted to, he could hit forty home runs a year because he would put on these like shows and batting practice. Uh-huh. But he just chose not to be a power hitter. <laughs> yeah, I mean like he he had some seasons where he hit for more home runs than others. I mean, I'm not sure he ever broke like 20, but his seasons where he hit fewer home runs, he tended to have a higher average. So, I mean, I get it. But he he could, like, mash the ball. I mean, he, no big hurt maybe, but, uh, like, could really do everything. And is such, like, a Japanese icon. I loved going to Japan a few months ago and then seeing him for in, in like several billboards promoting premium malt which is like one of their like budweiser type beers but that's that's pretty that's a cool product for him to plug yeah why not i'm not sure how much premium malt he actually drinks but no and he's just had a long career even though he didn't come over to the mlb until he was 27 and I, he's still he's on the mariners roster right now which is incredible and that he, like, that 2001 team, the Mariners team that won 116 games, was so exciting. He was a rookie and the MVP uh, that year. And my only regret with Ichiro is that, like, the Mariners essentially blew almost his whole career. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> they had some good years, but they didn't, they should have been... With the, some of the talent that was on those teams, you'd think they would have won a World Series or something. I think so. I mean, I think the Mariners were essentially mismanaged for about 15 years. I feel kind of good about where the team is going now. Um, I I do feel pretty good about where the team is going now, but they, like, oof, man, it would have been nice to see him on better teams. I do have one, my favorite Ichiro story that I have to tell. Please um, do. He is obviously from Japan. He, but he speaks English fine, but he doesn't talk very often, like mm-hmm. in public. And he didn't speak English around, you know, like U.S. reporters, so nobody knew if he could speak English or not. And he was in. I think a reporter asked him about Kansas City, the Royals, and his answer was in perfect English. Kansas City's hotter than two rats fucking in a wool sock. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Which is so great. And it just adds to the, the love of Ichiro that I have. Yeah, I do love that it's like such an American English, like, bizarre, like, I would never even use that term, like, bizarre idiom for him to be using. <laughs> it's that, so yeah, funny. Because you know he just heard, like, somebody said it when he yeah. was there. And it stuck with him. And the, the fact that he chose to, like, use that as a way to, like, hey, I can speak English. 
No, that is amazing. Two rats fucking in a wolf sock. It's the best. Yeah. No, I, I'm glad we have a double dip on this, too. I love Ishiro. He's the man. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm so jealous that he wasn't a White Sox player. Because he would be, like, that's the only thing keeping him from number one spot on my list. Yeah. Well, uh, tell the folks at home, then. Who is your, I mean, I think I already know, obviously. But who is your number one? The Big Hurt, baby. Yeah. Frank Thomas, um, as a kid, just it, our, his career coincided with when I was like at my most uh, just insane baseball fandom as a kid when I played. And, um, you know, it. he was a first baseman, and I played first base later, and then he was like the best hit. He was like MVP of the league a couple times. Just such a great, not only power hitter, but, you know, he would walk and had a great eye and, and wasn't great defensively, but he was just such a dominant hitter that it didn't really even matter. It doesn't matter. And I will say, once I get to my number one, defense certainly doesn't matter. But <laughs> I, like, Frank Thomas, yeah. I mean, I already said it, but, like, great pick. Uh, I'm, like, kind of partially... I feel like the Mariners had a lot of, like, cool star players kind of go through the organization. Um, but Frank Thomas was, like, that's a sweet player to root for. Yeah, because he was just, like you said, he played tight end at Auburn in college. And it's just like 6'5", 265, just like a huge beast of a man. Yeah. And the fact that he could hit and had like such back control and all the stuff you don't normally consider with like bigger guys like that, it was so good. You want to hear the opposite of that. So we went to, um, I went to a Cal Berkeley basketball game for the first time. Um, And they were playing UW and actually UW lost which is insane because Cal Berkeley basketball is like terrible. <laughs> um, but Cal Berkeley had a center on their team who was seven foot three, two twenty five. Holy crap. Yeah. He was a string bean out there. Not bad. I mean, it could actually hit like a mid range jumper and could catch backdoor alley-oops. He barely had to jump to dunk. Um, but yeah, 225 pounds. He was seven foot three. Will he be an NBA prospect? I I I doubt it. Okay. Uh I don't know for sure. I, I don't think he has enough in his game. Like he is he's the kind of player that's like just too skinny. I'm not yeah. sure you can even put on weight. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But yeah, so he's definitely never gonna be a Frank Thomas. But yeah, <laughs> Frank Thomas was just like like damn when he came up to the plate. Like even if he, even if he didn't every time, you just felt like he was just gonna crush the ball, like just break it in half. What you said earlier struck me because I was a White Sox fan, so I was he was like the hero. But I was thinking like, yeah, if I was a fan of another team, and especially in the playoffs, and he comes up, I would be like, oh great. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, Michael Jordan is the ultimate person like that. I think. Yeah. It's just like if you're rooting for him, well, of course. But if you are not, fuck Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's yeah. that's interesting, the Chicago Seattle relationship with sports. Yeah, it's uh no for sure. Uh but my number one is just even even before we decided to do this as a top five list, number one in my heart forever. Um he's the person who hit the double that Ken Griffey Jr. scored on in the ninety five playoffs. He just was elected to the Hall of Fame, which I'm so glad in his tenth year he finally was. 
Um, but too many idiots out there think a DH shouldn't make it for some stupid reason, even though it's a position in baseball. My number one is Edgar Martinez. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, there was. it was honestly never in doubt. I love Ichiro, but Edgar is just the best. He, he um, as far as, like, batters that I've watched in my lifetime with like an extended look at like watching them hit. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone as pure of a just smooth, like what you would think of as a hitter as Edgar Martinez. No. And like in the playoffs, you were just so confident every time he came up. Yeah, of course he was going to get a hit. And if you look at his, I didn't need to see his batting average in the 95 playoffs, but it was like 500. It was like he was so good, so reliable. Um, it's hard to explain, especially in a city that's had so many stars like Ken Griffey Jr. and Alex Rodriguez and uh, Randy Johnson and Ichiro. That Raul Abanez. Raul Abanez. J. B. <laughs> I. I don't know. I like Jay Buhner. I've turned around on him. I did not really like him growing up. Anyway, I like both of them. Yeah, I like. I'm not. But okay. He had a lot of inopportune strikeouts, I feel like, in his career. Not the yeah. point. I want to talk about Edgar Martinez because it's hard to explain to outsiders that out of all of those players, all of those stars, and I mean even Raul Ibanez, that on a citywide level, I think Edgar Martinez is the most like Mariner of all time. Even more than Pokey Reese? Even more than Pokey Reese. What about Brett Boone? More than Brett Boone... More than Joey Cora, more than Chris Basio, who David Segui. <laughs> oh well, ooh, probably more than David Segui. I don't want to step that far, but there is a street <laughs> street next to Safeco Field named after Edgar Martinez, and just everybody loves him. And it was just so nice to see that he was uh, made the Hall of Fame. He he should have been his first year, but if it takes ten years, whatever, he's made it, and. Um, yeah, he's my favorite baseball player of all time. I think I, I honestly, when I, I'm trying to think once I mentioned like a locked in hitters, I think on a list of just watching like a long string of dominance by a hitter where they're like just mashing everything, Edgar Martinez, Barry Bonds, Manny Ramirez, and maybe Frank Thomas, like stick out to me as having streaks where I remember watching them. And it's like, you knew when they came up, they may not hit a home run. Mm-hmm. But they are just on fire and like completely the story and just dominating. And that's that's like that's why I was shocked that he didn't get in quicker. Yeah, uh, I don't know. But um, do you have any honorable mentions? I do have a couple. Um, so Ken Griffey Jr. I mentioned earlier. Uh, always so much fun to watch him, but I just he just didn't quite make it for me. Uh, same with Randy Johnson. Probably my favorite pitcher to watch pitch. Um, I agree, just, but I had to, I couldn't put a pitcher on my list for some reason. I, maybe yeah, that's I, my own taste. I know. I don't have. I have him and Greg Maddox as my honorable mentions. Of I just loved watching them, and mm-hmm. for different reasons. Like Randy Johnson, it was like as a left-handed hitter, I was like, I would never want to be in there to face him. No. I, I would do, like, the John Crook thing and, like, go to the other batter's box. Oh, my God. Especially er, early in his career, he was pretty wild. 
he's like six horrifying. foot ten. Yeah. He's like a beanpole, and he's got that that like goatee or whatever. Yeah. Just looks like that long curly hair. It's like this guy's gonna the ninety five mile an hour fastball in my face. Yeah, you might get it in the face. Is part of the problem. Yeah, and it's just terrifying. But and he had such a long career for like a power pitcher. He he made, was effective forever. Yeah, he really learned to work on his control, and I I think that like helped him immensely. And then my last is Mike Trout because even though he's a weatherman at heart, mm-hmm. uh, he's just so good at everything. Oh my god, he's excellent. And it's I just I'm appreciative of the fact that we're able to watch his prime. Now we are like. I, it makes me want to watch baseball more this year, and I think I'm going to really... I think I'm going to try to watch a lot more baseball this year. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, the White Sox are, like, such a downer right now that it's hard for me to get super jazzed, but I am yeah. for this season. This, you know, the fact that we're in opening week and everything, and it's just really exciting. Yeah. No, I... Because uh, baseball opening day is also just an opening week. is just, like, so synonymous with, like, you know, here's spring. The weather's about to get nicer. Let's Let's... Like, go to the ballpark and catch a few games, get a hot dog, some peanuts, a beer. That's, like, going to be a good time. Go to Devon for... Go to Devon, get some Indian food. You bring that Indian food to the game. (laughs) It's going to be a mess, but you'll love it. Yep. Um, Yeah, so my honorable mentions, Randy Johnson, also. uh, King Felix Hernandez. Uh, I always like John Olrude. I love that he played with a batter's helmet, and I know it's it's for a reason. I forget. I, I think he had some kind of head surgery i'm not sure but um he was always a really fun player to watch uh very patient at the plate uh i like tim wakefield knuckleball pitcher which i always just thought made him like weirdly accessible as a player i was like okay he only throws it 70 miles an hour like i can almost throw that fast maybe i could be a major league pitcher if i could figure out how to throw a knuckleball (laughs) <laughs> turns out not to be the case and then my other favorite another pitcher who i just think way to overcome adversity dude jim abbott the, oh yeah the one-handed his baseball card yeah that's like awesome he fielded with he was a left-handed pitcher and then he would hold the how did he do it he had like the mitt on his right arm which he had like a full arm but he just didn't have a hand right right right, right. he just he would hold the mitt on his like stump and then, at, right after he pitched it, would whip the glove to his other hand, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's, that is amazing, because he, he was good, too. Yeah. I mean, he managed to have a pretty good career. That's, like, really impressive. Yeah. Um, all right. If you have baseball players that you like that we forgot about, maybe they're just your personal baseball players, and they're not really that great. But they could be. Uh, let us know about it at Whiskey Sessions. That's our Twitter handle. Or email us at whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com. And we're going to read your uh, email on a future episode. So, yeah, hit us up there. And we're going to get to your emails now. These are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails! And now we'll read them. All right, B-Pimp. What do we got in the old email inbox? Dear Whiskey Sessions, I took the advice you gave quite a few episodes ago and used Southern Comfort to jazz up my pancakes Monday morning. I had a blast at work, but I got a lot of weird looks. Did I miss a step? Bill in Jacksonville. Uh, See, 
I don't think Bill missed a step at all. That is what we recommended. I think what he didn't realize is that doing that will make you inebriated for work. I think Bill hit, hit all the steps really well. <laughs> I think he got it right. And you know what? I know we gave Southern Comfort the boot, but if we do a syrup podcast at some point, maybe it'll get back on the syrup smooth train. I don't know. It's a, it's a Swiss Army knife of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where none of the tools work at all. Right, but it's, they're just there. <laughs> they are there, yeah. Uh, all right, I got an email from... Oh, let me pull it up. Here we go. Hey, chaps. Next James Bonds are great and all, but who's going to be the next Johnny English? And this is from Rowan in London. I was just going to say, I think uh, Rowan Atkinson needs some work. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, he probably does. Uh, and I saw that a new Johnny English like came out not that long ago, which I was like kind of surprised about. I think it's the third Johnny English movie. Well, you know, when you have a, a, a franchise with such deep roots, yeah, it's uh, it'll have a lot of sequels. Exactly. So, who is your pick for the next Johnny English? If you had to say, you know what, this guy, it's it's an imp- okay. We should preface by saying it's an impossible throne to take. But who's going to make the most valiant effort? Uh, Peter Dinklage. Ooh, Peter Dinklage. I like it. You know what? I, I think I would second that one as well. Peter you Dinklage. heard it here first. Yeah, Peter Dinklage, Johnny English 4. Um, it's in pre-production right now. I was going to make a pun title, but I don't think I should wade into those waters. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but in that case... Um, if you have an email that you would like to send to us for us to read on a future episode, we will do that. Just send it along to whiskey sessions, music at gmail.com and we'll catch you on a future episode. But that does it for this episode. Be pimp. Do you have any words of wisdom to leave our dear listeners with? Catch us on our Johnny English for sister podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get started on that. Build the website, get the Twitter feed going. It'll be a blast. Uh, I just need to watch two and a half of the movies to be all caught up. Same here. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Until next time, this is Amat saying peace out. See you later.